You are now listening to the Social Selling Podcast. Introducing your host, Daniel Disney. Let this be your playbook for social selling. Learn to paint a vivid picture with storytelling so compelling that they have to click. Build a brand that sticks. So listen up, we're about to give you all our tips and tricks. Let this be your playbook for social selling. Learn to paint a vivid picture with storytelling so compelling that they have to click. Build a brand that sticks. So listen up, Daniel Disney in the mix. They say that your net worth's your net worth, but you don't really know where to start first. No need to stress, learn from the best, every episode after the next. Step away from the ways that we used to sell. Nowadays, emails don't do so well. Cold calls getting wrote off. Oh no. But you can amplify that when you social sell. Daniel Disney will provide. What a guy. The ultimate LinkedIn sales guide. Daniel Disney will provide. What a guy. The ultimate LinkedIn sales guide. Let this be your playbook for social selling. Learn to paint a vivid picture with storytelling so compelling that they have to click. Build a brand that sticks. So listen up, we're about to give you all our tips and tricks. Tips and tricks. Damn, Daniel. Hello and welcome to the Social Selling Podcast with me, your host, Daniel Disney. This show is designed to bring you the latest, greatest tips, tricks, and strategies in the world of LinkedIn and social selling. First of all, I want to say a huge thank you to our two amazing sponsors. First of all, Gong.io, the biggest and best revenue intelligence platform. They help you capture customer interactions across calls, meetings, and emails, understand what's being said in those interactions, and deliver real-time insights that help you win more deals. So please make sure you go and check out Gong if you haven't already. And also Outreach, the biggest and best sales engagement platform out there. They help you drive efficient growth with every single interaction by making every customer-facing rep wildly productive, optimizing customer lifecycle for revenue fit, and collaborating securely at scale. So go and check out Outreach. Go and check out Gong. We're grateful for their support. And with that, let's dig in to today's episode. Hello and welcome to today's guest, someone who I am a huge personal fan on, someone who I've been following for a long time and who's been a very sort of big supporter of me through my journey. And I'm equally, you know, keen to be a supportive on, on his. Today, I've got one of the biggest LinkedIn legends out there, one of the biggest fans of video and one of the best video content and messaging creators out there. I have got the one, the only Jared Best Mitchell with me today. Jared, Thank you so much for joining today. Daniel, as I said, this is like a dream right now. I am pinching myself like <laughs> long sleeves because my arm is going to be red. This is an absolute honor to be with you here on this platform because as I've told you, you have crafted a lot of my foundation on LinkedIn. Like a huge chunk of it has been crafted for me, things I've learned from you. So thank you so much for having me on. Oh, that, that's too kind of you, sir. Honestly, I, I mean, you know what my passion is. I'm passionate about all things LinkedIn and social selling. And all I ever try to do is help salespeople and sales teams just understand how to use it more. And no, then, no, you have. Oh, thank you. you. Well, you are one of the people that has embraced it as well. And I think what I'd love to kick this, uh, this episode off with is just to hear sort of from you, your story in sales from the very start and where LinkedIn sort of got introduced to you and where was that sort of penny drop moment where you started to realize, okay, this is quite a powerful tool. And then what your journey was obviously starting to, to, to utilize LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, so I've actually been in sales again all my life. I would always tell persons it's the greatest profession in the world. Nothing a sale is made. So I'm sorry, HR, finance, IT, then <laughs> You don't take this unless we do something. Sorry. That's just the rule of the game. So, and especially as John Barrows always said, it's the best profession in the world when done right. So my, I would say my, my real sales started off when I started in Digistad in 2006. That's when I really, really got into sales. And it all started off when I sold myself in the interview because they hired me on the spot. It even took a rule of them because Digistad was the... For those who don't know, Digicel is a local telecom provider in the Caribbean. And they had a rule where they couldn't take people from retail and put them into corporate. 
but I was so good in the interview. They literally called the person and said, hi, right, we are taking Jared. And I heard the person, have you on the phone? And it's like, great, that's fun. Talk to this person, but we are taking Jared. So Digicel formed a lot of my foundation and sales. It made me become very resourceful, very creative. And it really taught me a lot of things in terms of how to sell to individuals, especially when you're going up against competitors. And I think it has formed a lot of my success into everything where I am right now. Because from Digicel, I went on to DHL. I've worked in Nokia, I've worked in Microsoft, and I've worked in Samsung, and also back in Digicel at two different periods. So my sales career, I've, I've spanned both B2B and B2C, and it was during these periods that it actually helped me found LinkedIn because I've been on LinkedIn since 2009, which is huge when a lot of persons think about it. And yeah. what I always stress to persons is that I've gotten so many job offers from LinkedIn. And when I explain this to my friends, they don't understand, even to this day, they don't understand, but LinkedIn for me has always been pivotal because I've understood when it started off as a site where you network mm-hmm. to people, you get the ideal job. So whereas it has now become where I can position myself as a go-to person in my market, as somebody who's knowledgeable on different aspects and different topics, that's where LinkedIn has actually grown for me. And um, I can honestly tell you, it's been an absolute dream connecting with people, not just like yourself, but throughout the world. Um, when now, as I said, I, I do coaching on LinkedIn. Um, I have clients in Israel, England, Australia, um, Jamaica, the US, Canada. And again, this platform is what has actually done so much for me. And I keep stressing this to persons where it doesn't matter what type of job you have or you do, you need to be on this platform. Like my favorite story in training, which shows to like what LinkedIn power is, is that the guy who does my welding, like who makes burglar proofing and those metal works, he's on LinkedIn. I have 7,000 followers, 12,000. And when I asked him how many gigs he gets on LinkedIn a week, he says like three or four paying gigs a week. So much wow. so, so much so he stops posting on LinkedIn as often. And I asked him why, he said, because it gets too much work. Like I post one job. And all of a sudden, I get too much messages in my inbox and I can't handle the work. He's like, so he spaces out how often he posts. And I tell people, it's not a suit and tie platform. It's a job platform. It's a career platform. So this is literally like one of the best, especially where it's at right now in terms of popularity and awareness. You have to be on this platform without a doubt. Doesn't matter. You just need to be here right now. Well, I'm slightly biased on the subject, Jared, but I 100% agree, obviously. Um, and I think the biggest question people need to ask themselves are, are your prospects and customers on LinkedIn? If they are, then you should be too. Now, when I started using, I think I was actually a bit later than you in joining. I want to say around mm-hmm. 2011, 2012 was when I created my profile. Um, right. Back then, you know, not every industry was on LinkedIn. It wasn't as widespread as it is now. But as you say, Correct. there are so many industries, countries, it's spread so far and wide. And even, even if you could look at it and say, you know what, none of my prospects and none of my customers are on LinkedIn. The next question you want to ask yourself is, well, are they going to start to get onto LinkedIn? And the chances are it's going to happen. LinkedIn's growing massively. And I love that example because some people will make assumptions. There'll be sort of welders and builders out there that will sit there and think, no, LinkedIn's a professional platform. You know, I'm not going to be able to do any business on there. You know, three to four customers no. a week through LinkedIn. Paying gigs a week. So not not people inquiring about the service and the people <laughs> saying, I need this done. Here's my money. Get it done for me. Like if I go to him now for work, he would tell me, yeah, 2021. I'm booked out. Like, That's impressive. To, like, you know, you know, two industries have, well, one industry I've not seen, which I think could maximize this. I just think they don't understand how to change their, the message is the mm-hmm. beauty industry. Because remember, LinkedIn is made up a lot of women. Mm-hmm. I would love to see hairdressers and nail technicians on here, but you're not showing off nails. You could probably talk more on executive level of the best hairstyles for women. What's the most trending? How's it? Yeah. You're here while you're home at COVID. Like there's so much ways for them to be on this platform and, and get that audience. I would like, I would love one of them on here. Like I, I'm just waiting every day. I get calls from different persons and I keep saying, please, nail technician, please, where are you? 
it, it, it's a huge market, Daniel. Huge. It's it's a good point, and I imagine there'll be even more markets that aren't capitalizing on it that that absolutely should. And I think what you end up with is you then get sort of two situations. You get you, you get people or salespeople, sales teams, businesses that don't use it, and I imagine you like me come across a lot of people like that that simply don't do it. They might have a profile from however many years ago, but they're not using it on a regular basis. What you then get are people that are using it, but they're only, I guess, scratching the surface with it. You know, what do you find more of uh, in in your sort of conversations? Do you find more people that just aren't using it at all or people that are using it, some who think they're using it really well, but the reality is they're kind of only just doing a tiny fraction of the potential? I would say tiny fraction of the potential and absolutely nothing. There are a lot of persons who just have a LinkedIn profile and that's it. Because even today, and I'll give you I'll give you a couple of examples. I recently posted about being confused when I see companies that are pure B2B. They, mm-hmm. You can't go in as an individual to buy their products and services. They do only B2B transactions. Yet they're advertising on Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like... And I know the nature of these companies. And I'm like, but you have your, your, your decision makers and buyers on LinkedIn. I'm seeing them there. Mm-hmm. Why are you here? And the question which I ask them is, since you aren't on, since you aren't where they are, who's talking to them? Who's having a conversation with your buyer? Yeah. Your sister. I'm betting you, you aren't part of the conversation. And the thing is, you these people think I want to be at the decision and, and throw my product in their face. No. Your competitors having discussions about what they care about because they they those buyers are active on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. you, on Facebook and Instagram where your audience doesn't exist. You might probably have the employees, but there's a low chance of them raising awareness to the decision makers and the buyers who actually need to get your product and service. So that always drives me to confusion. So the easy way I break this down for people to understand because this is why I think they aren't utilizing the platform. LinkedIn is like free real estate. You can, everybody can grab their free plot of land. The problem is nobody's building houses. So people like you have a massive house. All the sales leaders, everybody we follow have massive houses. And I explain that to people because I'm sure people tell you all the time, Daniel, I always see your post on LinkedIn. I'm like, nope, you aren't posting on LinkedIn. That's why you don't see. That's why you only see my post. That's the only reason. So while I build my house, by the time you're ready to start building, I own a property. You have to come to me to lease the land. That's how I look at it. That is one of the single best analogies, Jared, I think I've heard (laughs) about the LinkedIn landscape. I love that real estate. That's exactly what it is. Like, how how could you not want to build on something that you're seeing? Like, if every time I go into my analytics, it's either sales professionals who look at my profile, who I connect to most, or decision makers, directors, founders, um, managing directors. All my calls start with, um, I was given your number to reach out to you, right? And who is it? Somebody in training. Because the director saw my post, they saw something I spoke about, he said, get in contact with me. Yet you don't want to post. No, and that's that's the funny thing. You're absolutely right, Jared. So many people will have a profile, but that's all they do. When it comes to posting, probably the biggest sin that I certainly come across is they just reshare their company's yeah. blog or company's content. Yeah, boy. <laughs> if it's listen, if if it's one pet peeve, like I like just before your call, I finished with a client and I, I looked at her profile again and I'm like, I told you not to do this. Nobody was <laughs> your company's information. I told you how to reshare this. Just listen. And she did it like three days ago. Nobody liked it. I was like, because you're not listening to what I tell you. LinkedIn doesn't like resharing. You need to post it as your own. They want you to be your own content creator. Please just post it as your own. Like that, that to me, besides people tagging me unnecessarily, are my two pet peeves on LinkedIn. Like that, if those things could not happen in one day, I'll be happy. <laughs> I, I fully am with you with those two pet peeves. I think the other one that is on my radar at the moment, um, well, I guess two really is, is one is the use of third party automation software that then sort of doesn't, uh, actually include any relevant details and they're using it to auto message. What it's sort of doing two of and the bit that annoys me the most is, personalized connection requests that are personalized with sales pitches, either that have been written by the person or have been automated by a bot and they don't actually have anything 
relevant. That for me is too many people looking for hacks and, and shortcuts and whether it's yeah. social selling, LinkedIn, whether it's sales, anything to do with business and life, trying to take shortcuts like that very rarely leads to success. Do, do people even realize how, how bad that affects your brand? Because I know a couple of people who are notorious like locally for just spamming people with the same messages because people know me for being on LinkedIn and because we're all connected, they screenshot and send me the messages. Yeah. And it's like a small group of them that just keep spamming. And I'm thinking, I know the company you work for. You're not even in the top 10 performers. So why are you still spamming? And then it means that if you leave to go to another company, your chances of being hired are low because you've probably spammed that company with a bad message. So they would look at you and be like, I don't want you working for my company. You gave me a bad pitch. Like you're going to do that to my customers. What? I don't understand. Some people don't think about the the big picture. I was having a bit of a, a comment debate with someone today. It's not something I do very often, but this person, you know, a lot of people are calling people out on LinkedIn and I understand where it comes from. There are a lot of people that do these hacks or they do just copy and paste other people's posts and share it as their own. So I understand why people are hesitant. Now, someone tried to sort of call me out for doing that. (laughs) Bear in mind, I would never do that. I have been creating original content for years, always will do. I have plenty of ideas. So I, you know, tried to sort of educate the person and say, look, you know, a 100% 100% original, you know, clearly you haven't checked uh, to find any other post that's identical to this. But what I said is what you also need to remember is this is what you write, these comments that you're putting on other posts as well as mine, you know, they are painting a picture of you, but also the company that you work for. And this person works for a huge global company. And a lot of people don't really realize, I think it's because a lot of us are used to using social media personally. And with that, yeah. you're right. You use your Facebook, Instagram. Facebook Twitter. and Insta is different to LinkedIn. You can't be that same. You can't be that troll on the platform. Work. Like, no. And it's going to have a negative effect on you. It's going to make you look bad in front of your prospects and your customers. It's going to make you look bad in front of your colleagues and your managers. And it's also going to make you look bad at potential future employers, uh, you know, industry peers. It, there's, there's just no need for it. Obviously, I understand kind of where those feelings can come from when you see these sort of posts on, on yeah. social media. But, you know, I think we all have to kind of think about that bigger picture, look at who else is going to be kind of consuming that. But on the topic of, of content, because Jared, honestly, yeah. you are one of the best content creators um, that, that I see on a, a regular basis. And one of the things you excel at is video content. Now, yes. know, I'm sure many of the, the, the viewers and listeners uh, consuming this podcast are going to oh. understand is video is playing a huge role in sales, but so many salespeople aren't even utilizing it at all. Um, when and why was it that you kind of realized video was something to start doing? And what was that early process like? How did you overcome some of the fears? Um, you know, did you get training? What was that journey like? Because I imagine there are a lot of salespeople sort of in that place at the start uh, right. to kind of, you know, take the first few steps. Well, my, all right, so I'm in a unique position. So here's like, I've actually done stuff on stage. Um, so one of my side gigs that nobody knows is that um, I don't do it as much like hardly anymore is that I actually do stand-up comedy here where I'm in. So I'm accustomed of getting up in front of a stage of strangers. That doesn't bother me ever. So for me, getting on video was easy. So I'll give you the journey. When LinkedIn had text, I would send a text message to people to say, hi, thank you for connecting. When they introduced voice, I did it with voice because I kept thinking oh, well, this is just a better way to make an impact. And when they had video, I just converted to video. And the reason I put out so much video content is that like, what I, if I type out what I did in a video, it would take me a day. Those videos you put out are like two takes or three takes max. You notice there's no editing. I do videos in one shot. Like, I'm not a fan of editing. I, I just personally like my videos to be in one flow for the user, uh, for the viewer and... I just try and make it as easy as possible for me, which is what I think of. So something that I always tell persons to me is that if you, if you, and this is how I put it for you if you're in sales, if COVID wasn't happening and you're meeting persons face-to-face, I wouldn't meet you in public, Daniel, and you would say hi, and then I'll respond to you with a text message. True. So if I connect with you on LinkedIn, why wouldn't I send a video message to say hi? That to me is just pure logic. Like, and, Again, as you said, and I keep and I am in absolute shock of how many people do not do this. 
more importantly, how many people actually aren't even aware that you can do it on LinkedIn straight from your phone? Like, you don't understand how powerful this is. And then let me give you one secret people aren't aware of like with LinkedIn video. I love the fact LinkedIn video flips the video for you automatically. So if I'm in a company branded shirt, it shows you right away when you see the video. So immediately I could put my brand, even if I have my my bill, my um, standing banner to the back of me, it's there. So why don't you want to use video? And I know everybody, I see a bunch of posts now, people talking about voice and I keep laughing in the, in the yeah. comments. I'm like, voice, video. I was like, video. Are you going to are you going to send a person a voice message? Like, no, video. Put yourself in front of the camera and send a video. I don't care how uncomfortable you feel, you have to get over that block, especially if you are doing sales originally out in the field. What are you gonna do when you when calls start back? Are you gonna stay home? No, you have to get out there and be face to face. So to me, it's just an easier way to connect. It's a better way to connect and I just love doing it. Like, and then uh, you could, you might probably know. So you tell me, because I always tell persons this, I may have a record on LinkedIn because they blocked me for doing it once. And when people connect with me on LinkedIn, I send a video. So remember I said when they introduce each stage. So as soon as somebody connects with me, I would send you a video. Hey, Daniel, just wanted to say thanks so much for making me a part of your LinkedIn network. Saw you did a post on X and Y, thought it was really insightful and looking forward to future engagements. No sales pitch, just to say hi and thank you. Gratitude. I've done 3,700 videos to date. So I don't know if anybody could comment and give you feedback, but I don't think anybody's reached that amount. And I have have all the videos saved on my phone for proof. (laughs) Check it out. But I I do it because when you're on this platform, because you're connecting people from different countries, different cultures, I want to build a connection with you as best as possible. And I think it actually helps me in terms of my engagement. So when I put out a post, whether it's written or video, people almost say it in my voice and they say it for themselves because Jared sent them a personal message. Like that alone is just my standout factor. I think part of my success on LinkedIn is literally because I only send video. Like, and uh, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, I mean, that's a lot of videos and I imagine you must have a lot of storage on your phone. But it's a really good point. Actually, um, Chris Murray said something to me today that really kind of mm-hmm. hit home around people's fear of video. And he sort of said, you know, back before we were sort of in lockdown and, and in sort of post-COVID world, what were you doing? Were you going out to customers with a paper bag on your face because you were too embarrassed to be seen? Well, there's no different to being on camera. It's the same principles. So you're absolutely right. A lot of the fears uh, are illogical, but doing something new is scary. First time I made a cold call, scary. First time I sent a sales email, scary. First time I created content. So I, I fully get, you know, it is yep. scary and it is something to get over, but this yeah. is a, a, you know, a, an important thing for sales leaders. Now is the time to start training, supporting and coaching your sales teams into yes. mastering video. And the best way to do it, just like every other sales method, is through practice. Teach them how to do it properly, coach them, support them through practicing it, and they will get more confident and better at it. Obviously, not everyone has uh, stand-up gigs on the side to give them that kind of confidence, but uh, I kind of had a similar journey. I'm not a stand-up comedian journey, but my journey as a speaker on stage, you know, first time I did it, I was nervous as, and probably the most nervous I've ever been, But the more that I've been doing speaking and I've done good knows how many gigs over the years, that's built my confidence up hugely. So things like that can really help. And maybe there'll be people watching. That's the point though, Daniel. That's the key thing though. It's like, so this is my thing. The only way to get better is to start. I think that's what a lot of persons keep forgetting. Like you have to start. Like I had a client, um, and let me not say client because they're now coming on board with me to do stuff for their LinkedIn. But I just gave the guy advice. Because he was fearful of being on camera. Again, um, it was his own business, security reasons. He just wanted to be cautious. And all I told him was just because he's a real estate developer, as I just start filming what's going on on the, prop- on the properties. And he started doing that. And bit by bit, just looking at his page, he started to do different stuff and more ambitious stuff. And I said, hmm, because he, he got into the practice. He did it daily. And then he messaged me a day saying, I think I'm ready to be on video. And his next video after that was his voice. That was the first time he heard his voice. You know what he told me? That is his, um, his real estate person who he channels all the leads through. They said the day he sent out that voice video, he wasn't in a just his voice. He's like, 
the engagement and the leads that we got was almost triple. And I was like, wow. shocker. They wow. heard you, they liked you and they called. <gasps> like, I, I do not, and just yesterday I was telling someone, I was telling one of my clients that they needed to put their voice out there if they didn't want to be on video because they're also in real estate. You need to have your, vi- your voice on the video. It's like, no, Jared, I don't have a nice voice. I said, I don't either. I was like, but you know, most people I know with radio voices that aren't making content sucks for them. <laughs> ugly voices on camera. My ugly voice is being heard. Right? Same thing with people like I said. I don't have straight teeth. My hairline is disappearing. I am on camera. People don't comment about that. They comment about what I'm saying. So all these good looking people who think that they shouldn't be on camera and they, they're insecure about that. Good for you. Opportunity for me. I absolutely love that. So who doesn't have the fear? So trust me, and you would, and I'm seeing it bit by bit more and more. Video is taking up precedence on LinkedIn versus everything else. The engagement I'm getting on it. And of course, you just seen it using Shield. You get double the amount of engagement from video versus any other type of post. And when I look at where my leads come from, it's video content that the leads are generated from, not the text-based post. So why would you do video? Logic. It is, it is, it is absolutely logical, Jared. And you're right. Video is a huge performing form of, of content at the moment, but obviously it's also a very powerful way of, of messaging. And I think the biggest point of this is when you send a text or an email, they get to read your words. When you leave a voice note or you make a call, they hear your voice, they hear your tone. When they see you on video, it's the closest thing to face to face. And especially this yep. year, you know, people are using video a lot more, you know, Zoom has gone through the roof and yep. it's the closest thing we've got to actually engaging with each other uh, as sort of close as we can, we can kind of physically get. It allows them to see you. You get to essentially look in their eyes. They get to see your body language, all these components that can dramatically increase the effectiveness you have of, of selling and sort of conveying a, a message. So, I mean, obviously there's two sides of a video. There's the content side, the the messaging side. What are some of your top tips, because one of the things you just started to sort of allude to is little things like having company branding on your yeah. t-shirt, on your shirt, jacket, hoodie, uh, or in your sort of background. And I've seen quite a few um, prospecting video messages that have been forwarded to me from from my clients and, and customers where people are selling high ticket B2B items and they're wearing sports hoodies. I've seen videos where they're in the kitchen and there's dirty dishes on the side. Um, yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> Seriously. So I, some people aren't thinking about these little details. What would be your, some, some of your top tips having done video for a long time uh, to, to you know, create, not perfect, but you know, really strong videos? My first thing, and this goes directly, let's look at it from the video DM aspect because that is a core sales aspect. Mm-hmm. From video DM aspect, don't sell. That is the first rule. Don't sell. Number two, do not do it preloaded. I remember somebody told me they send videos to everybody they meet and they send a pre-recorded video. Mm-hmm. The key to my videos, and this, and this is my secret sauce, the key to my videos, I start with your name. I don't say my name. I don't even say good morning. I start with your name because that's what catches the persons of, of God. Because from the time the message plays, they hear Daniel, happy Wednesday, right? Because that's what's important to the user. Your name is the most important thing. I think that's what people forget. The other aspect now is that I keep the message short because if, it, if it's something that I could context from their content, great. I put that in the message, but I try and make sure my message doesn't cross 30 seconds, right? But I always make sure I leave a question so that it continues the conversation and that could eventually lead to a meeting or understanding or qualifying the client. That is my tips when it comes to DM. And this is the, this is the order and the cadence that I do it. When I first meet with a, when I first connect with a client, video. When they respond, I may do voice and I may do text after, but the first impact is video. And let, let's go into the whole concept. Why? If I send a voice, if I send text, there's one thing that's missing. If I send video, you have to listen to my voice. You have to pay attention with your eyes to look at my body movements and everything and pay attention to everything around. There's more stuff involved. And I could tell you personally, when you send somebody a video message and let me, and anybody's listening to this, if somebody has a birthday, send them a video versus a voice text message. Send them a video with you saying, Daniel, happy birthday. Just want to send you God's blessings. And I know you're going to have an amazing day. Because I have to listen and pay attention to that. And I know you took nine, 10 seconds out of your day 
to do that personally for me. And that means a lot, whether it's a stranger or an existing client that you know. They would take the time, even if it's just to respond and tell you, not interested, not right now. At least you get back a response versus a generic text that you copy and paste in or just a random voice message. So start with their name and then make sure that you move on so that it keeps it short and that you always ask them something about themselves. As, and it, it, it works for me, especially when people have content. Listen, when you put any context, people content into a message and a DM for the first time. They're like, boom, this is the greatest message ever in the world. I've, like, I got five of those this week. So trust me, it makes a big difference. When you're putting video out there for your audience, or like you're putting stuff out on LinkedIn, all I think of is what questions are people asking me or what's something I'm observing? Because I want to give people something to think about. So the last one I was talking about was the video I posted was about jargon, using jargon in your sales, in your sales messages. Because the clients I'm working with, they keep speaking about stuff and acting like if I know. So I've clients in insurance, I've clients in real estate. Every time they ask me something, I said, who knows this? Everybody should know. Oh, really? Let's explain why. Content. And that's all I do. So my content, how I look at it now is that it always has to give somebody a message with regards to the problem that they're having. That is really, really key for me. So, and the thing is for everybody who's in sales, just ask yourself, what was the conversation I had today with a client? What did they ask me that made me roll my eyes and be like, you don't know that? Come on. That's content. And that reaches a wider audience. Um, Something Tom Ferry said, Daniel, and you would probably relate it. You would post a piece of content that gets you five, 6,000 views. Can you talk to five, 6,000 people in a month? No. And you know what? For everyone who who questions the the sort of validity or the potential that sits within LinkedIn as a sales tool, that exactly nails it. You are limited to how many calls you can physically make. You are limited essentially to how many emails, proper emails you can send out. But with LinkedIn, obviously you've got the same direct outreach potential of sending those messages, videos, audio, written messages. But when you're sharing content, you can reach huge groups of people that can generate huge. inbound leads and create those outbound sales opportunities. Why wouldn't you do it, Jared? As you said, you're going to share a video on LinkedIn. That essentially should be no more than one, two, three minutes long at a push. Yeah. You know, you could do that, record it, share it in under five minutes and reach thousands of people. Uh, you know, and and here's, so here's some additional tips. Keep your video between 30 seconds to a minute if it's you alone. If you're collaborating with someone, you can do probably three minutes mm-hmm. to about five minutes max. I don't think people have an attention span for longer. Um, based on what I've seen, excuse, after the first minute of a video, I think 50% of your audience drops off. After the third minute of your video, 80% of that remaining audience drops off watching the video. So you want to make sure that you can get to the point quickly. Because something that, like, I give people these two points. My content is breadcrumbs. I'm not going to give you a slice of bread and I'm not going to give you an entire loaf of bread. But I'll give you so much content that you've eaten that amount and you come to me to buy bread. That's how I look at it. So all my content is short chunks. So a lot of people keep thinking content means I literally have to give away my recipe. No. However, you can go through my profile and you could actually figure out how I do content because I had one person message me said, I just spent three hours on your profile watching all your videos. I love your work. But you know what they did? They bought the bread. They didn't do it themselves. They bought the bread. So all I make mention to persons is this. The content that you put on LinkedIn, you have to think about it this way. It's what's leading the prospect in becoming your customer. All the content that carries the person through the stages in your pipeline is what you need to put out as content. Because when clients come to me, I don't have to explain anything. The content answers the questions for them at each stage. And they're ready now to purchase. It's never, never a question of, oh, can you explain to me what you do? It's a meeting to say, how what you do applies to me. That's I just want to make sure that, but I'm ready to pay. Can you send me a banking info? Not a problem. And you know what it makes me keep thinking every day, Daniel? I don't pay out enough content, but I need to post about probably three, four times a day. Because if I'm posting once a day and I'm getting this, I can triple my business by at least doing twice or three times a day. And I have the content. Like I could just, I'm putting out a piece of content today. Tomorrow morning, I'm putting out the next one. I have another one and another one. Bye. 
It's easy. It's really, it, when you get into the rhythm, it is really, really easy. It is. And you're right. When you get into the rhythm, it, it becomes second nature, as does anything that we do. It's always going to be difficult at the start. But once you get into yep. it, it becomes it becomes routine. Jared, you know what? You've dropped two analogies that I've been blown away by. I loved the fact that LinkedIn is is landscape. We all have land, but not everyone's building houses on it. And I love yeah. breadcrumb the breadcrumb analogy, leading breadcrumbs that they then want to buy the rest of the loaf of bread. And that is exactly what content should be. It's about giving them value. It's about giving them something they want, but not obviously giving them the whole picture, bringing them closer to you. So they want you. And trust me, so so for persons who are hesitant with with video and stuff on LinkedIn, like don't be, because this is the other thing I tell clients, the internet is infinite. Even if you put out a bad video, you have another opportunity to put out as many other videos, especially if you learned what you did bad before. Mm-hmm. Like that to me is just a trade-off with it because I've had content that even, like, I think yesterday or day before, I had, a, I had a content that I dropped that didn't do well as compared to the others. And I was like, okay, let's put out a video tomorrow. Love like that. that's literally it. So if you don't understand the power of this tool that you have right now in front of you, and again, Here's the next thing I tell persons. Everything comes to my phone. None of my content. I have no DSL camera, nothing. I use everything. All my content is created from my phone. So you don't even need fancy equipment. You just need to actually take your phone, record, put it out there. You get better over time. You get more clients over time. You get people following your story more and more. And it just works for you. And then, you know, the most important aspect of, of the video now for me is the branding aspect behind it. because. I like even with COVID and I'm out wearing my mask, people recognize me because I mean, I always wear yellow. That's my other thing. If you notice, I love yellow. I only wear yellow, but people recognize me even with my mask on. And what I tell persons is a statistic. I notice people who approach me, 50% of those things convert into business. So why would you not want to put yourself out on video? You are a walking, you are, that's 3000 people in a view who saw you on video, which means you have 3,000 people who are aware of who you are now. Why would you want to do it? And even if they're not ready to buy now, even if they don't convert, then they're still going to be in your audience. And as long as you're sharing content... I don't need you to convert now. I just need you in the process. If you instantly convert, honestly, that's a shooting star. But if you just convert, I've never met anybody who said, Jared, this is the first video I've seen, I'm ready to buy. (laughs) What I have seen is, Jared, I've been watching your stuff. I get it and I'm ready, which means that great. Let me send my bank account info. But if I didn't put out all those pieces of content and let me be fair, let's mix it up. It doesn't just have to be video, but if I'm not consistently putting content out there, it's not going to happen. It's, you're not going to get the clients that you're looking for. You may get it like a shooting star, but the frequency that you get it, definitely it's not going to be in a, in a rhythm that you like. And that's why I think people stop posting because they're not consistent. Then they say they don't get the results. That's why people stop going to the gym. They buy their gym membership. They go for the first few weeks. They buy lovely gym clothing. They go all out for a few weeks. Don't see those instant results. So they stop going and they give up. And it's the same in the world of LinkedIn and social. And Jared, you're 100%. Put content out consistently. But I hope everyone who's listening to this or watching this sort of appreciates the fact of how simple it is. You've got a phone. You can almost guarantee that everyone who's going to be listening and watching this will have a phone. You don't need oh, yep. fancy cameras and microphones. And, you know, we obviously have this type of setup for doing things like podcasts and stuff. But if you're creating content, most of the content I create is done through my phone as well. It's easy to do. It's easy to create videos. It's easy to create images, to write text-based posts. You can do it anywhere yep. and everywhere that you are. It's not a difficult thing. But the first step is to just do it. Take that leap. It doesn't matter if it's bad. Honestly, you can go onto my profile now. You can go back to the first few blogs that I ever wrote, the first few posts. They are terrible. They're still there. They're part of my journey. doesn't yeah. matter. You might get my one like, you might get my, my first video was, I would say, horrible compared to where I'm at now. Yeah. And then I remember people are always shocked when I tell them, like, some of the tools I use, and then they're shocked when I said it's only on my phone. But a lot of people don't recognize. So, like, I know everybody says they're always... They're not sure what, what type of content to post. I'm always saying, start with you. Start with an introduction video. Do that first, right? Literally just pick up your phone, do it as an introduction video. Something which I've learned, LinkedIn has that specific sticker that says first video. Yeah. If you attach that to your video, 
I know for a fact the algorithm can tell it's your first video. They boost that to your audience as much as possible. So if you have a healthy audience, you get a healthy amount of awareness with your posts. Just I'm putting that out there. Like I remember one of my insurance clients, he did his first video. I think that got like 3,000 views and he actually got like three key offers out of it. Wow. So why not do all those things? Like it's like something I tell persons and everybody who's listening listening to this can, can think about it. Think about your conversations for the day. What was something that stood out to you? That is your content. Stop overthinking it. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be anything super complicated. But I highly recommend sometimes writing it, maybe when you're thinking about the emotion so that you get it out there because the audience would feel it and put the post out there. Over time, you're going to understand, just like I did from watching everybody's content, what works. Then you're going to understand how to engage. Then you're going to understand how to send somebody a DM. But it's not going to work unless you do it every single day. And yes, Daniel and I, I always say are like super users. So like we spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, but I tell persons, listen, give me 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the evening. That's your two peak hours. Between six, you could probably do it from 6.30 to 6.45. And you could probably do it, I would say from 8.45 to 9 p.m. Because that's when people pull out their laptop after hard work. Their kids are down. So they're just checking what's going on. You could just spend your time maximizing your presence. Like that's it. But as you said, I, I, and actually, you know, it's funny, the people who probably complain about this, I would always ask them, how are your sales? Because <laughs> if your sales are low, I can understand. You don't want to make the effort. So cool. But if your sales are high, I would say, great. Double down on what's working for you. Come back to LinkedIn when you're ready. Yeah, no one's forcing you to do it. But for those that are struggling or those that want to sell more or achieve more, the opportunities out there. Jared, honestly, you've shared so much amazing insight in this episode. I feel like I should do several with you because you are full <laughs> of amazing tips, but also this passion, this honest belief in the, the potential that sits behind LinkedIn. And I know yes. people listening to this are going to be inspired. And I imagine, and please let us know either in the comments or even message, message Jared directly. But I'd love to hear of who has been inspired enough to actually go away and create their first video. Tag us in, tag Jared in. If you have questions, let us know. But I'm hoping through this episode, we've inspired some people to go out and actually create that first video. Because once you've done that first step, smooth sailing after that. But amazing stuff. I want to finish this episode off with uh, a question I want to uh, throw you away, Jared, which is how have you seen sales change over the years, obviously you've been in, in the game for a while now, but also yeah. how do you see it continuing to change? I think we've had quite a lot happen in this year. Um, you know, how has it changed yeah. up to this point? How has it changed now? And kind of where do you see it going? Um, I think, so let me start off with what I think was sad with sales. What, what got me really sad in sales was that in a lot of industries, when COVID happened, people stopped selling. I, I was heartbroken with that because... Mm-hmm. I explained to persons, if you if you waited till June or July to start back selling prospecting, it was like going up a hill with no tires in your car. It was a struggle. So I, m- I met many persons from different industries who stopped selling. But what I kept telling them was, yes, COVID has affected the world, but on a micro scale, COVID hasn't affected everyone. What a lot of salespeople didn't do in COVID was that they didn't adjust their ICP. They didn't adjust their buyer persona. And that's where they kept going after the same customers, which made no sense. How could you go after the same person who might not have a salary or who company lost their main set of business? That doesn't make any sense. There were companies who weren't affected. That's where you needed to change your focus to. So what I found was interesting is that things that I've known in sales that have have been done since forever got completely decimated in the space of February to June. So for example... In the insurance industry, which is where I do a lot of work, they're always on face-to-face. That's completely destroyed because they had to learn how to use social. And a lot of them were absolute disasters in using social, right? But there are some who took the training, they understood, and they got a hold of it. So for me, where I see sales now, it's honestly going to be split forever. They're honestly going to be a bigger focus on persons who could do more remote selling simply because companies have done it and it worked. What I think really made companies understand it, and I saw it in the US especially, they could get cheaper workers who are just as effective. Because if I'm a company based in New York, I don't need people out of New York where I have to pay a high price too. I could get people in Midwest USA to sell to me 
And they're probably half the price of paying somebody in New York. And I could get more reps who are actually great at selling and get my product out there. What I think now goes on to the physical face-to-face selling now is that you've actually seen a lot more integration in technology, which is helping them be better at the sale. Now, let's not talk about the automation side of people who are just not using, using automation correctly. What I'm talking about is the person who are using automation to create personalized messages and really go out there to wow their customers with the products. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure if you look at it, the reps who are succeeding now are simply succeeding because they have utilized the technology, they have stayed in contact with their customers, and they're speaking their customers' language now, which is the last thing which I think is the most important part that I've noticed in sales. A lot of people, again, because they didn't change their ICP, they haven't changed their buyer persona, are still coming with the same sales pitch and the same strategy from 2019 to their customers. And customers are buying different. Their complete buying process is different. They're either less buyers or they have less budget or they're less focused on what your product was. So a lot of people still keep thinking, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come with this 2019 strategy and it's not going to work, I'm telling you. When you come with this, when you come with new ways to engage your buyer, to engage your customer, to understand where they're at and what they're trying to achieve now, because I can guarantee you, no company has the same exact process for the goals that they want to achieve. So let me be specific. They have the same goals, but the process and the journey of where they want to get it is gone. But you are still using that old path that is burnt out. It's not there. They're on a different path and you're trying to shout to them across the road. Hey, hey, come and buy from me. No, no, come on my path. Come on my road. This is where I'm at. Don't shout at me. That's why your message isn't getting across. So the reps you're going to see succeed are the ones who are actually doing stuff in smaller chunks with a bigger audience to have that impact. And that's why you're going to see some people still hitting their targets for 2020 because they didn't change their goal. They just changed the focus on the process of how they get to the customer. I love that. I love that. The importance of adapting. Sales, yeah. the landscape, the environment, the technologies, the tools, the people, it's always going to be changing. And the salespeople yeah. that succeed, the salespeople that last and go far, are the ones that are able to constantly adapt. It's the same for any profession. This is not exclusive to any sales. Profession. Every profession has to adapt. You have to be ready to change quickly. And that's probably one of the skills I've read a lot of articles about. Oh. That's what kids are having to get used to now you know it didn't used to be like this many many years ago but now where we're changing at such a rapid pace technology social media everything internet, everything you know what's a red flag for me daniel because i know we're close on time mm-hmm. like meet with clients you see people who are, like i ask specific questions you see when you aren't open to change that's a red flag for me we see when you just want to do sales training or linkedin training to tick a box mm-hmm. red flag for me like me and my business partner, we have a rule. If management doesn't come in on training, then we don't, we don't do the training for the company because good rule. aren't working for you. So if the managers aren't going to help the team change, who's going to help them? If that's not part of your process. So if you're not willing to change and, if and let me not say change. If you're not willing to just try something new. Yes. The key thing, like just, just try something new. It's there. Just don't, don't tell me social media doesn't work and you did one post. That's not it. Tell me after 50. Tell me after 60. 100 posts. Don't tell me after 60 or, or 10. Sorry. Because I keep seeing that from people. I, I post and it's not working. You post five times, man. What? Yeah. Well, what would a sales manager or a sales director do if they had this new sales hire? They said, right, go make some cold calls. The salesperson came up to them after making 10 calls. It doesn't work. Cold calling doesn't work anymore. Do you think any sales leader is going to accept that and say, oh, okay, you're right. Let's stop everyone making cold calls now. No, the same things apply. And I think the core message for all of this is just open your eyes to the bigger picture. Open your eyes, embrace change, at least be open to it. Look at the landscape in a wider vision than just how you've always done things or how things have always seemed to work. Things are going to change. Jared, you have shared some of the best things I think I've heard in a long time in this episode. I cannot thank you enough for coming on, sharing some amazing analogies, some amazing stories, but also so many amazing tips. Everyone listening to this is going to have pretty much everything they need to go and start creating video. And I think that should be the the moral of this episode. Go and create some some video. Any final tips, Jared, for the listeners today? If they are going to go and make that jump, they're going to go and click record now. What would be some final tips or words of motivation to help them create an awesome first video? Don't automate. 
smile, and my most important tip ever, which I tell persons, wipe your lens. I don't <laughs> want to see videos. Just wipe your lens. I, I don't care about anything else. Like, I don't need a tripod. I don't need a, a, a lapel mic, nothing. All I need is a clear lens on my phone, and I record. That is my golden rule. So much so that the, the screen protector is worn out at the top because I wipe the camera lens so much. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah, wipe yeah. the camera and smile, two very big tips. That's it. That's it. Because no, who, who, resists, who resists a smile? It doesn't matter how bad, it, how bad you look. Who resists a smile, a genuine smile? The most infectious thing out there, which is probably a silly thing to say this year. But smiles, they pass along. Look, Jared, yeah. this has been a lot of fun for me. I cannot, again, thank you enough for coming on. For anyone who's not following him already, head over to LinkedIn, follow Jared. Honestly, some of the best content out there, some of the best videos, sales tips, LinkedIn tips. This guy shares it all. So if you're not already, go and check him out. Jared, thank you so much thank for you. joining us today in the first series of the Social Selling Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Nice. And uh, yeah, I hope yeah. you'll be able to come back soon in the future. Correct. Actually, Daniel, can I record a video? I need to record a video of this. Hold on. Yes. Look, this is, this is, today is October 20th. My day has been made. I am on screen with the LinkedIn legend, <laughs> Andrew Disney. If you do not know who this person is, it is clear that you don't spend enough time on LinkedIn. It is clear that you don't understand the power of this platform and the education that this person has given. I would probably say to millions of people on this platform because Daniel Disney is the truth for me. Oh, thank this you, Jared. Is, so if you want to know why I love this platform so much, this person built my foundation. This person helped me out with a lot of things. This person made me post every single day. This is the individual here. So if you want to learn, follow him. And you see that little corner in the top there, Daily Sales? That is one of the best meme pages you would see. Actually, <laughs> the best meme page on LinkedIn that you would ever see. So if you want to laugh for the day, Check that page out. If you want to learn on LinkedIn, check Daniel out. Thank you, Jared. Yeah. That was wonderful. That was wonderful. Right, guys, we're going to finish off this episode. Uh, Keep an eye out for future episodes as well. Make sure you're following Jared. That is this episode of the Social Selling Podcast. I look forward to seeing you next time. Jared, thank you again. Take care, sir. My pleasure. Damn, Daniel. 